game flash. Joe Hellenbeck's a private detective who's run out of luck. If you touch me again, I'll kill you. <laughs> two for two. Told you. Jimmy Dix. I like bricks. Is an ex-quarterback who was thrown out of football. Another tragic tale of wasted youth. You're nobody. Shh. Don't tell anyone. They were trying to clean up their acts. You vacuum. I'll dust. When they got dragged into the dirty world of sports corruption. So you're gonna bribe some senators to legalize gambling? Legalize sports gambling. Now. Son, we're going to a ball game. They've got one shot. What am I gonna do? Point at the bad guys and shoot! To get the goods. Ah! On the bad guys. This once, I would like to hear you scream. Play some rap music. <laughs> Out of ideas, man. Take your best shot. If they don't kill each other first. That was a bomb? Hit out of a hell of a factory recall. Bruce Willis, Damon Wayans, the last Boy Scout. Danger's my middle name. Mine's Cornelius. Don't tell anybody I kill you. I am Eric. He is Kevin. This is the Props Podcast on the Beckett Podcasting Network. And this week, we're taking another long look at The Last Boy Scout, 1991's Last Boy Scout, starring Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans. Man, am I glad we picked this movie, Kevin. This movie ruled. I loved it all the way through. And it was horrible. (laughs) I'm not here to tell you that this movie would rule the Oscars or anything like that. I'm just telling you, as far as an entertainment destination goes, it was awesome it totally was uh i love these little we've, we've now found two little loophole movies that we've been able yep. to throw in here like sudden and, death yeah like sudden death so this is the second of the of the two and i have to tell you that it i was i was watching it and we we even texted each other like midweek it was like hey, man, this is like horribly awesome and i think that's the description i'm gonna go with it's horribly awesome but god i couldn't turn away it was so great it is so so reminiscent of sudden death too the similarities really mm-hmm. are remarkable in terms of the the setup gets established that it's gonna have the backdrop of sports then with the stanley cup finals now with some right offshoot of the nfl because mm-hmm. they by the way they can't use any of the same names <laughs> or anything like that because this production was too cheap to right. get involved with the nfl right and then you know all the plot and action veers away from the sport in particular only to round all the way back in the last 20 minutes or so for the climax to take place yes. then in the game here in the game so it's sports so it counts I w- before we get into the budget and all that stuff i this this movie was full of one-liners just one at one after another and there was one in particular that that stuck out to me uh, but I wanted to ask you: Did you have did you have a favorite one or one that stuck out to you? Or yeah, like that? for sure. And 
and I remember this, the second they get to, I don't know if I would call it the pool room or whatever, mm-hmm. where Bruce Willis is essentially being held hostage, mm-hmm. I absolutely remember this when it went down, is they're smacking Bruce Willis around, and uh-huh. he looks up at him, and he goes, touch me again, mm-hmm. and I'll kill, kill you. you. Yeah. And I absolutely remember that. <laughs> that was uh, that was a good one. But mine was when, when he... he recruits Jimmy to be his partner basically on this not on this case begrudgingly and uh he says he says Jimmy says my, my middle name is dangerous he said well mine's Cornelius but if you tell anybody I'll kill you he goes really have you ever watched Soul Train and I was oh. <laughs> just died and and some of these you have to clean up because this right. is definitely a hard R movie right yes. here but uh when Bruce Willis is getting backed up into the alley and he said, oh, yeah, I knew it was you, some big pimp-looking yeah. you-know-what. Yeah. And I was like, nice. Yes, it was uh, It was just full of some – like, you could tell that Damon or somebody had some kind of hand in writing sure. this script because it was uh, absolutely just full of that kind of stuff. All right, let's start with the budget like we always do, man. Uh, you okay. want to take a guess? I – I'm going to revise because I found out, and I don't think I knew this when I was watching. I definitely didn't know what I was watching it, um, that this was directed by Tony Scott. And Tony Scott is the guy who directed like Top Gun and Days of Thunder and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I think this was like probably a pretty, and it had Bruce Willis and it was probably pretty decently budgeted. I'm trying to scale back for numbers. I'm going to say like 30 million. It was real close. It was 29. Okay. It was 29 million. It's sometimes it's hard to convert to 1991 money or whatever. But yeah, no. And 29 million, that's a pretty hefty budget right there. That is. Would you be shocked at it if I told you that this was a, a Christmas release? Like, not on Christmas Day, but a Christmas season release? I would not have guessed that. Yeah, so this was released. This seems like it has late summer written all over <laughs> right? it. Right. Uh, this was uh, released on December 15th, 1991 was the wide release for this. I have a theory for that. Okay, go ahead. And that theory is influenced largely by uh, Colby Sapp. Mm-hmm. Producer of the KNC Masterpiece, shameless plug, seven to eleven weekdays on the fan, uh, is he? Because we were talking about this movie, because I know he loves this movie, and he was like, "Yeah, it's essentially John McClane," and I was like, "Yeah, John McClane getting involved in football," and so maybe they were like, "Hey, let's just market it as another Die Hard movie," I see. and those movies came out around Christmas because right. they are Christmas movies, they no are. matter what anybody says. I mean, it's set at a Christmas party. Even John McClane himself, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry, buddy. Uh, so I guess that's my only theory is maybe they were like, let's just do the same marketing as Die Hard. Maybe. Uh, it, it was not the greatest opening weekend. Uh, but in terms of 1991, I guess it was pretty good. It, it did $8 million on opening weekend. Okay. And But but the, the positive thing here is gross worldwide, gross USA, I'm sorry, $60 million, $59.5 million. Really? Yeah. So that means that means word of mouth was strong for this movie. Yeah, it really was. Which I could see why. It's look, this movie is stupid. Yeah. But it's amazing stupid where you know like one of the things we talked about in weeks past is there's some issues that I had with like Leatherheads for example mm-hmm. that I think take away <clears throat> from the quality and enjoyment of the film. Any plot or construction problems that you have with the last boy scout i truly believe add to your enjoyment of the movie because it's so nonsensically over the top right once you see a plot hole you're like what and it just like adds to your enjoyment of it so that's good i mean 
that there's some there's some star power in this, and the director is a big, pretty big deal at right. the time, especially. Right. Unfortunately, now I think he's dead. Oh, uh, star power, Bruce Willis. I mean, in 1991, Bruce Willis he was, was on top of the world, right? Absolutely. So, uh, Damon Wayans. Uh, this was just before In Living Color, correct? And so. I think maybe this was when Living Color in Living Color was going. Right in the middle of it? Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, I'll I'll take your word for it. So, Damon Wayans. And then if you read these names of the other other people in it, I mean, you you recognize all these names. Uh, Halle Berry, for for instance. So, I thought about this. um, I don't think Halle Berry was really a thing. Not at this time? At the time. I don't believe, because I was really trying to think about... When she hit it big, I know she did like Dorothy Dandridge, the HBO movie that kind of pushed her, and, but I don't think any of that had really happened, and I don't know so, if she was a big deal at this point. So for her, with me, it was Swordfish was the first time that I can really remember her. 2000. Yeah, and so that was some nine years later, and then that... <laughs> Probably shouldn't reference it too much here, but that movie she did with Billy Bob Thornton. Monsters Ball. Yeah, Monsters Ball. That was the other one. That, that won her an Academy Award. <laughs> it sure did. So uh, Some remarkable, really weird things happening. Yeah, really. Uh, oh, the, the thing I remember most about her was that she was married to David Justice, and he, he beat her up. That was not a good thing. On it. That's not a good thing. Did month. he really? Yeah. That's why I knew they, they were married. I didn't yeah, know Yeah, that that's part. why they got divorced. Because oh, my he, God. He, he beat her up, so uh, I would hate to ruin your David Justice fandom there, but that's what oh, happened. Oh, man. You know, and you know what I just remembered that she's in, and we are not getting to it. I'm pretty sure she's in the program. Is she? Oh, I, she. I think she is in the program. I might so, need to double check that. Double check but. that. I'll read off some more names. Bruce McGill, who is not in the movie for long, as he got blown up uh, there, there towards the beginning yeah, of the Halle movie. Yeah, Halle Berry dies, too. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, she does die pretty quick. She, He is in it. Uh, he, this is the second time. Well, no, it's not. Not this is the second time on Propsy's come up. It was Chelsea Ross, who was in uh, Major League, which we reviewed in the first season. Is Chelsea Chelsea Ross is the ex-wife, then wife, then ex-wife of no, no Bruce Willis. Chelsea Ross is uh, is the senator, Senator. Bannon. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, but you're talking. You're talking about Daniel Harris. Dan- Dan- she Harris. is in the program. She is in the program. Okay. So uh, this has got just a, a bunch of people. And then the the one guy that was in it that I knew, uh, well, well, first Noble Willingham. He's in, been he's been in everything. Yes, like, as the corrupt owner of yes. the LA team. And then then Taylor Negron, who like I didn't know his name, but as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, that's the bad guy. <laughs> just, so okay, I got a couple of notes about some of these people. So Chelsea Field. Who played the wife, then ex-wife, okay, yeah. I guess, of Bruce Willis in the movie. Yes. You know who she's married to in real life? Bruce Willis. Scott Bakula. Oh, really? From Quantum Leap. Uh-huh. Also, amazing fact, she is one of the primary characters in the Masters of the Universe movie. Is she? Re- which oh, stars she plays- Courtney Cox. Yes. yes. And when I was watching, I was like, she's in the He-Man movie. <laughs> and then uh, yes. Taylor McGrown. Uh, yeah. He's from, okay, he's from Angel in the Outfield. Yes. But I know him best from Biodome. Okay. Because he was like, the guy was delivering food and stuff, kind of a bum in Biodome. But then the person that stood out to me, and immediately I was like, I know where she's from, is Danielle Harris. Uh-huh. Danielle Harris, who, by the way, 
turned out to be really attractive, mm-hmm. is she plays Bruce Willis' yeah, she kid, plays Darren, yeah. and she plays with the puppets and stuff yes. in the movie. I know her from some of the Halloween movies. Oh, okay. So, yeah, she's in, like, Halloween 4 and 5, and I guess I didn't realize this because I didn't particularly know what she looked like growing up. I guess she was in the reboots, the uh, Rob Zombie reboots, Rob Zombie not this reboots, new okay. one with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, which I just saw, by the way, really good. But yeah, so she plays a, she's a little girl in Halloween 4 and 5 and has a very important story arc in those movies. And that's instantly what I recognized her from. I was like, that's the girl from the <laughs> Halloween movies. Not that any of that would add to the box office. Like, I don't think anyone goes, hey, you're a fringe character from Biodome, which I guess hadn't even come out at this <laughs> <Right>. point, or <laughs> you're in the Halloween movies, or, you know, you were in the Masters of the Universe movie, which was an incredible flop. So I don't feel like any of that probably added to the star power, but, you know, good for them for making some cash. Masters of the Universe was a flop, but God, if I don't love that movie, man. That's it, a terrible movie, it, but yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen it multiple times. <laughs> it is terrible. I still think the the way they put up Skeletor is pretty scary looking. Yeah, I think so too. You you mentioned uh, you mentioned Halloween, and since we're just on the verge of Halloween here, we got you know just a couple more days. Yeah. and you saw it. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but sure. the the body count was acceptable. I think in this. In this oh yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I agree. They didn't overdo it. They didn't underdo it. So I definitely agree. They did the body really well. count. The body count in this movie is yeah, it's way more pretty high, <laughs> yeah. including a spectacular death scene at the end that we'll get to. <laughs> yes. So. Uh, yeah, let's. That's that's the star power. Uh, the log line. I didn't even look at the log line on this. Um, let me pull that up while I ramble here incoherently. <sighs> there are two fallen heroes up against the gambling syndicate and pro sports. Everyone had counted them out, but they're about to get back in the game. Whoa, because you got the tie-in right there. I that. Okay, so that is one part of this movie that I think is extra dumb, Mm -hmm. is the backstory of Bruce Willis. Oh, God. So, like, for... And I I thought there were some, actually, some pretty... For 2018, some pretty timely concepts in there. So, Damon Wayans plays a former hotshot quarterback Mm -hmm. whose life is kind of spiraled out of control because he got got banished from the fake NFL. Can I I stop you right there? Did you... It, was it just me, or did you pick up on the fact that he was a black quarterback? And then the 1990s, early 90s, it, that was a very taboo thing. That was that was. Man, that's not a, a good point. Yeah. I, you know what? Believe I, I actually I didn't even think about that just because it's like not a thing now. It's right, just exactly. Because whatever. But Warren Moon and Randall Cunningham and they all thought about that. Yeah, in, in I know. 90s. I'll bet. And Doug Williams. And Doug he Williams got yeah. asked the how long have you been a black quarterback at the Super Bowl? It was mm-hmm. a weird question. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I didn't even think about that. Actually, that is. Fair. Fairly revolutionary then, yeah. but also he'd been kicked out of the fake NFL in the movie for gambling. All up, Pete Rose. Yeah, and I and, and I thought it was a really timely theme given what's happened in the last year, where they've just you know finally overturned the Supreme mm-hmm. Court case, and you can gamble on. And I believe the NHL just signed a deal with a casino today. Oh really? And yeah, and so I thought it was interesting because it's some themes that really speak to 2018 about. You know, somebody being kicked out for gambling, mm-hmm. how the mob was trying to infiltrate uh, professional sports, the future of gambling in professional sports, mm-hmm. the future.
future of football in Los Angeles. Like there are a lot of things at sure. play that in 2018 kind of work, but that's why he's down on his luck. Bruce Willis is down on his luck because, well, he's like a private investigator and his wife is cheating on him. And mm-hmm. then you find out in this shoehorned in backstory, which there's not really a whole lot of love going on. So if I'm going right. to hate on something, <laughs> in, although I guess Damon Wayans wants revenge because Halle Berry was right. his girl and she gets killed at the strip club. If there's one thing I'm going to hate on in this movie is the shoehorned in backstory of how Bruce Willis was actually a really decorated Secret Service person right. who, like, what did he take? He took a bullet for, for the, the president. Set. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, okay, come on. Dude. Yeah. It was, that was, they, they kind of flubbed that one up. And then the backstory with the senator as well, why why the senator didn't like oh yeah so that was yeah just, because bruce willis found him knocking a woman around and like as if i mean as if corruption wasn't enough of a reason to be evil exactly they also wanted to let you know that he beats up women it's like <laughs> it, and this is my favorite character introduction of all time it's the movie karate kid 3 because i think it's the greatest <laughs> i i'm and i'm not kidding about this okay i think it is the greatest zero to evil introduction ever Mm -hmm. is they show the guy who's eventually going to bankroll the return of Cobra Kai. He's like, he's got a ponytail. So, you know, in late eighties, early nineties movies, that means he's probably evil. He's sitting in this opulent bathtub talking on an obnoxious, Cell phone, talk, brick, brick yeah, phone, brick yeah. cell phone, yeah. talking down to his old lady assistant while on the phone talking about where to dump chemical waste from the toxic sludge that they're right. making. It is the greatest take. This, 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 yeah. and this compilation of evilness all rolled into one ever. I, years, I was convinced for years of my life that that was Steven Seagal, and then I found I out could see that. that it wasn't. I was like, how is that not yeah, Steven Seagal? It's fake Steven Seagal. Yeah, it's for fake sure. Steven Seagal for sure. That is a that's a pretty good movie that's probably my probably one of my favorite 80s movies Karate Kid 3 I think it came out 90 maybe but it might be 89 but it's it's a very entertaining movie it is to karate what this movie is to football how about that it definitely is 89 you might be right about that definitely is so uh where were you when you first saw this do you remember so this would have had to have been a VHS rental. Okay. Because, I mean, when this movie came out, I was like 11 or 12, and there's no chance in hell that my mom would have taken me to the theater to see this. So I actually feel like I might not have seen this until it came out on cable, because we were one of those fancy people. We had the HBO. <laughs> the HBO and box, right? <laughs> that's right. That's what, That was a big deal. Um, and so I think I would have caught this on HBO when perhaps my parental restrictions were less uh, intense. And so I feel like I probably saw this at the start of high school on uh, cable. I don't particularly remember the moment, but I remember thinking this is such a ridiculous movie that I love so much. Because if you know anything about me, I love terrible movies. Right. Uh, I'm right there along with you. I love terrible movies, too. And this was definitely one of them. Also a VHS rental uh, for us. I can I can't tell you the date it was, but I can very vividly remember this uh, eating dinner in in the living room on movie night with the family. Oh so yeah, it was, this is not a family. This movie. is not a family movie, but my mom was lenient and my stepdad had had control of the VCR, so nice. uh, <laughs> it was it was what we watched. Well, and they established really quick this is a going to be a family movie. Yeah, and the ridiculousness goes off the top of the charts in the first ten minutes where. There's a football game with fake L.A. Yes. and because they're the primary team in this and whatever team they're playing. And, you know, it's a close game. 
and you get a call in the locker room, mm-hmm. not on your cell phone, because this is 1991, right. and there's a call for the running back, and the running back takes the call, and it's somebody from the mob, and they're like, well, sure would be a shame if you guys didn't win this game. Do whatever it takes. And so this player has a gun mm-hmm. somehow, and he has a spectacular run, but there's still three defenders in front of him, so he pulls out the gun, shoots them all, scores a touchdown, pandemonium ensues, and that's the scene that I remember is the guy scored a touchdown after shooting people with a gun. That is, you know what, to be honest with you, that was probably the only scene that I remember from this movie. It's stuck with me through the years. And this How is, can it not? Uh, this is kind of gross, and I don't I don't want to take a, like a hard, hard left here, but... When he shot himself in the head, I don't know. Oh yeah, that's it, right. It, 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 that, that skin just popped up, and that yeah. was like, I was like, "Is that bad makeup? Did they? I mean, what, I don't know I don't, what happened there." Mm-hmm. But it was definitely an interesting take on. Well, it, I guess that's really what happens when I don't. I've never been shot in the head. I don't know, but sure, <laughs> I don't. I don't think I want to experience that. But you know, it was so. I remember at 12, 13 years old, going, "That's that's pretty graphic." It's yeah. pretty graphic for you them. You wonder the logic behind it. Like, if that was what he was planning to do, why did he have to kill those other people? Right. And, like, if they were going to kill his family, wouldn't his family still be in danger? Exactly. Even he killed himself? Like, exactly. I don't, it, this is not like a cursed horror movie where he kills himself <laughs> and the curse goes away. These are actual people who right. are not going to be implicated in this straight away. And it was confusing, but they really set the tone. They're like, hey, look, if you're looking for logical plot, this mm-hmm. ain't the movie for you. This is not the one. Yeah. At all. <laughs> So he goes on, he shoots himself there in the rain. Oh, uh, it's so much rain. It's so yeah. much rain. Uh, I've never seen so many umbrellas in the in the stands. It was sure. It was a lot. Um plus like the fans' reaction to what was happening in that moment with these players getting shot, it was kind of delayed and like, oh my god, he's he's killing these people. And then we you know, the the whole crowd sees it. And then it tra- it goes from that to Bruce Willis sleeping in his, in his car. car and the kids harassing <laughs> and, him. And the kids harassing him. To be fair, if I was watching an NFL game where somebody ran down the field, took out a gun, and shot somebody, mm-hmm. it would probably take me a minute to process that because that's not something you would ever anticipate. Right. Like even if somebody breaks their leg horrifically, you can process that because that's happened before. But I, if that happened, I would be like. Wait, what the hell yeah, just happened? Exactly. Did he just shoot that guy? And it would take me it would take me a minute. But yeah, then you're right. Then they just bang. Kids making fun of Bruce Willis and they're like, they're gonna set up what a loser he is. <laughs> exactly. And then they set up what a good detective he is for him to figure out that his wife is cheating on him mm-hmm. because of a couple of things. I like the way he figured it out too. This scene is actually kind of fun. Bruce Willis finds out that his wife from He Man mm-hmm. is cheating on him because two things. The shower had clearly just been running, but her her hair is not wet right and also the toilet seat is up right which if you've ever been married i i hear is a constant (laughs) battle for the people uh at some point kevin you just give up you just whatever i'll sit down yeah and i i see and i i I get the back and forth where both sides are like why can't you just put it up why can't you just put it down and i know both people think they have a valid argument and Mm -hmm. i understand but that's one of the ways that he uses (laughs) that he's going to figure it out and that actually is what kickstarts the plot into motion exactly is because the person who's cheating with his wife puts him on the case of the corrupt football stuff with damon wayans and all that and because he kind of thinks he might die and so he'll be out of the picture Mm -hmm. even though like again just like the football player who kills himself, seems like divorce is a simpler option than sending your yeah. public, your private investigator husband out there to get murdered. But right. hey, I wasn't involved with writing the screenplay, <laughs> nor was I. So 
one of the anybody. Another one of those great one-liners in in this in this movie is delivered in this moment as uh, Mike comes out of the closet, uh, literally. And right, <laughs> was uh, say, hey, bud, sorry, I slipped, fell in my, I fell into your wife, basically. Yep, uh, that it was. I mean, how I heard that all throughout the '90s, and and I don't know if it started here at the last Boy Scout, but. Damn it if I didn't love it. And I, I get that there's, you know, emotions and all that tied mm-hmm. in, but just in terms of looks, pretty big downgrade for the for the wife going from Bruce Willis to this fella. Buy a puppy, right? I yeah, mean this is pretty big downgrade. <laughs> so he, he takes him out to the corner and he said he says, Head or gut? And he he chooses gut, and so th- at this point, like, oh, they're still friends, even though this horrible he thing has happened. Him, yeah. He's like, oh, they're still friends, and then kabloom, he he gets blown up, blew up. He does, which is where you have to know, like, look, I will give the last Boy Scout credit for this, as much as I make fun of the plot holes. They set the level of danger for you pretty early because right. in the first 10 minutes, a guy runs down the football field in right. the pouring rain and shoots like three people and then shoots himself in the head. And then right after that, what seems like it's going to be one of the main characters in this entire movie, his car explodes and he dies. I was. They set it up for you. They're like, look, people are going to die. This is not. No one's coming out of this clean. No. Literally. No, no one. And none it, of us it, did. None of us did. You and I feel dirtied up by having <laughs> so that, watched this movie. So then the next scene is we get in, we get introduced to Jimmy, and he is at a he is at the he's at a he's waking up at a party that was like a league only party or a team only. Oh party. yeah, this is another stupid scene yeah. that is shoehorned in this yes, movie. Exactly, and the way we find out that he has been uh, expelled from the league is he he rockets a football. Was it left-handed? Did he throw it left-handed? I th- can't remember. That's he, a good question. He rockets a football into into a hot tub, into the fa- face of a football player in a hot tub who is trying to do something. He's trying to sexually assault yeah, somebody. He's, he's trying to sexually assault somebody, and he breaks this dude nose. Who this is? That's not the only time you're gonna see a broken nose in this whole film. Nope. But <laughs> he breaks this dude nose from from just throwing this football as hard as he can, and. And he, then he goes on to tell him, best arm in the National League. <laughs> exactly. And uh, this will be weird, and I, there's no chance that they were trying to foreshadow this or anything. But another thing where this movie oddly speaks to 2018, as mm-hmm. I watched that scene, and I was like, wow, an inappropriate power dynamic leading to sexual assault. Yeah. How relevant in 2018. Exactly. But I don't think that that's what Tony Scott and the crew were going for in that we're scene. Not, no. They were like, hey, remember when we shoehorned in that plot about Secret Service and Bruce Willis? Here's mm-hmm. how you know that Damon Wayans <laughs> is a good guy. And then he immediately goes from that to being drunk at the strip club. And right. I'm not entirely sure who he's with, but it's Halle Berry. It's Halle Berry. And uh, I, as we spoke about earlier... They don't waste any time in they, this movie. We just go. Yeah, we... That's what I loved about it, too. They was like one thing right yeah. after oh, another. And it got it all going. And sooner or later, Halle Berry's out of the picture, tragically, as a gunfight. Not only she died. Yep. Like, this gunfight would have rivaled the OK Corral. It was massive in the middle of the Los Angeles, That's in right. the middle of traffic. And no one seems to care. Wait, <laughs> what you have to remember is the late 80s, early 90s were a very different time in L.A. As you recall, a predator yeah. invaded in the late That's 80s true, as yeah. well and yeah. wrecked up Los Angeles. Yeah. So they were just used to these kind of things, I feel they like. They were like, Danny Glover will get here eventually. I guess. Sure. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But not until he was there with the baseball team. Exactly. Angels in the outfield. Angels outfield. Boom. Nice. So it like they they off Halle Berry early in the film. They do. And now these two uh, are going to become Joe and Jimmy are going to become best of friends and and get to the bottom of this case. So let me ask you at this point because that's a great setup for how it went down. Mm-hmm. Is there any doubt to you that the filmmakers and everyone who put this together thought? This is our 48 hours franchise. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they took the white and black, mm-hmm. not both cops, but you know, like investigative type people, both with strong personalities, mm-hmm. both who will run their mouths and we're going to pair them together to solve crimes right. and things are going to explode and boobs. Yeah. I felt like they were like, we got it. I think so too. They had to. And that's the thing. When we were walking into the studio today, we, we were talking about this was so set up. Like, it could have been a franchise, like, at least two more films out of it. And that's why I was surprised when you said the box office. Yeah. I just assumed it failed horribly. Yeah. Not, it made its money. Yeah, it sure did make its money. But th- this was definitely the 48 hours of 1991. Sure. This was, this was uh, you know, this was Nolte and Murphy at, at, at the box office. Sure. So they they go into this, they're going to, they're going to solve this, this, this white collar felony, you know, right. <laughs> It turns out to be way deeper than they know. Way deeper than anything that they can understand. But in the middle of all that, if there was a love story in this, outside of uh, Halle Berry and uh, Damon Wayans, it is the love story of of, of Bruce Willis and his daughter. Right. As they they navigate that that relationship with a fine-tooth comb. And I don't know, if I were to talk to my parents like that, Probably would have been the end of me. So, well, hey, but they set that up. Yeah, at the ve- that's that's yeah. a setup for a payoff at the very end of the movie. It sure is. Yes. Where all of a sudden the two parents who hate each other they've come back together, mm-hmm. but not together together. Right. Um. But now she has to talk with respect, and so that is like mm-hmm. an odd kind of turn of events there. What 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 really threw me for a loop is, um, hey. I just met you, Jimmy. Come to my home. Yes. And watch me talk down to my daughter. Oh, yeah. And we're going to be friends, but don't do drugs in my bathroom. That was... Because that was the breaking point. Because Damon Wayans, she is all... That little girl, I just realized this when you were talking about how she ran her mouth. She was also in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. So, yeah. Danielle Harris dominating the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, Yeah. No, you're right. That is a hilarious scene because it's like, hey, welcome to the house and all that. But then he's doing cocaine, is it? Uh, Yeah. In the bathroom, something like that. And that's too far. That's too far. And that's another way to try to let you know what Bruce will his moral code is yeah s talking your parents and stuff like that okay, okay. drugs in the bathroom too okay. far too far but then we see a little bit uh a little bit behind the scenes why that is while he's why he's so upset with jimmy here is because she gets him to sign a football card that's and right she tells him you were my dad's hero which i find odd because they're about the same age in this film so and you get the sense that Bruce Willis hates everything and everyone mm-hmm. right. except for his daughter. Right. But yeah, he says that he was not only the best, but like you said, his hero. Even though they make it sound like he wasn't in the fake NFL, but for a couple of years. Right. But, you know, had an incredible start to his run. And right. Hit Pat Mahomes-esque run here. And he was like, he's already the best. I love that she says, you were my dad's hero. He said, oh yeah, since when? She says, since I was little. I'm like, 
you're 12. I don't know. Yeah, how, how little were you? Because what do you start remembering stuff when you were five? <laughs> so we got maybe a seven-year window exactly. here. Exactly. So that was funny. And then I mentioned it to you uh, as we were coming to the studio as well. He signed a pro set football card awesome. uh, for for this little girl. And he signed it in big white ink. Like he had a big white ink pen. and he, As people do. Right. I don't know. She just carries around this paint pen where they're – Wherever she goes, you never know when you're going to meet somebody famous. Clearly, clearly. So she signs pro set, and we'll get to her later in the collectibles kind of in the collectible section of the the show. But pro set is a company that is near and dear to a lot of hearts here in the Dallas Fort Worth area and the card industry in general. Uh, One of the best football sets in 1989 ever, you know. And then those following few years after that, I mean, Emma Smith's rookie card from Pro Set in ninety one. It was ninety ninety. It's, it's series two. There's there's the there's the Pro Bowl error. The, the, just like the hockey cards, the football cards are just littered with errors throughout oh, yeah. the set. So it's it's such a fun set to put together. And I think it was ninety one where I really wanted to chase down the Rocket Ishmael yeah, yeah, rookie because yeah. I thought he was going to be the thing. And so nineteen eighty nine. Just you know, I, I and I and I talk with you and Paul about this. You know, last year, the year before, mm-hmm. is what has become a really big thing for me over the last couple of years because I'm super into cards as well as sure. my son. Is the nostalgia purpose, uh, uh, purchases, and so within the last couple of years, I bought a series one and series two box of 1989 Pro Set mm-hmm. football because yeah. I love the design. Plus that 1989 rookie classes. Freaking yeah, Dion, stacked, Troy, Aikman, Barry. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's just, yeah, it's stacked, and but I love the stripe design as yeah. well, and so it was really fun. But then within the last year, I made another very beloved purchase, and this is something that I guess I didn't realize that in future sets. They inserted the Santa Claus yeah, cards, right. like one every two boxes or whatever. But the I bought the original Santa Claus nice. card, which I didn't realize at the time, but that was only available to like dealers and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and it wasn't in. Because I kind of thought in the back of my head when I bought those Pro Set boxes, maybe I'd get lucky and hit the Santa Claus. Cause it has the same 89 right. design, but I didn't realize that was like a promo right. leading into that, and that's why it's more expensive. But I got a uh, I got a copy of that card. I love those cards because Pro Set. Not only is it a big player in the Metroplex, it was a big player for me on Christmas. Like I would get mm-hmm. some Pro Set football boxes sure. and open them up around Christmas, and you're hoping you pull that Santa card, even right. though it doesn't go for crazy money now. So it's still fun to have. Oh, it's the best. Uh, last year around Christmas time, our, our hobby editor wrote a piece that ended up on the Beckett.com page uh santa claus on cardboard and it, it broke down you know the the many different variations of santa claus on cardboard and that pro set was top of the list still I, yeah. as it should be yeah as it's it should awesome. be also from that 89 pro set uh was there was a subset of sports broadcasters ah uh, yes and uh you know frank gifford's in there and uh al michaels and all those but but the, gotta love the oj simpson in there that uh turned out not to be so positive in the in the coming years he did some stuff he did a few things he's a free man now. he is a free man let's uh, get him on the show we should do that dude that would that would be amazing do you realize that call-in show where it was here in dallas yes that was so awesome what a terrible idea that was <laughs> what did you think was gonna happen hey was it harder to kill two people in one night or run rush for two thousand yards in a season uh, <laughs> which for the record that's an amazing question it really is uh i love that he acted like he couldn't hear. I'm sorry. What did you say? Yeah, they, what? That was great. All right. So back to the movie here. Uh, subplot: horrible, 
horrible relationship with his daughter, and he's they're gonna they're gonna eventually fix it. And it's very much in the in the vein of you know just pick a movie wh- mm-hmm. whether you want it to be over the top or whatever where Sylvester Stallone oh, has to win arm wrestling tournaments to get his son back. Right. You know there there is a that is a very famous tragedy or really extreme circumstances are going to bring you back together and look he somehow wins the respect of his daughter by killing a whole bunch of people and solving this all in one and putting her in mortal danger on multiple occasions Mm -hmm. which you would think would get his child taken away but instead gets her to be more respectable like sure yeah why the hell not why not right uh I think there was also a little subplot, and it was if you if you missed it, you, you probably wouldn't, you wouldn't have gone back and caught it. But the Equan reference, the Equan reference that uh, Jimmy makes, and then later in in the movie, he ends up riding a horse. I missed the first reference, <laughs> yeah. so I don't know what that reference was. And he uses a, he uses a reference. I forget what it was now, but it it shows up prominently. When he when he hops on the horse and is and is riding him, just like the dance a jig reference. Yeah, I, uh, I did so, remember those. It, yeah, it was nuts. So Damon Wayans, he gets uh, part of his a uh, whole shot in his hand mm-hmm. by the corrupt fake a- L.A. owner. Mm-hmm. Who I mean, he's a bad guy. They really I'm call him Stan Kroenke. That's what I'm yeah, saying, yeah. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and so he uh, <laughs> commentary. commentary. And so he. Uh, so his hand is all messed up, but later on, he's still okay to hop on a horse in... There's so many preposterous yes, scenes in this, so many. but none more so than this one is the senator who we're not really supposed to like, but he's still key to get this done. Right. He's about to be taken out by the assassin, but Damon Wayans on a horse can still throw with his other hand. Mm-hmm. He throws a football up until the stands because believe it or not, him standing on the field yelling senator right. doesn't make it all the way up to not. the luxury boxes. Work? <laughs> and so he throws a football ball up into the stands and he does it just at the right time to stop the bullet Mm -hmm. so the bullet hits the football and deflates the football but it doesn't explode or anything a la tom brady yes corrupt more commentary look at you and then the senator oddly is really mad and he needs to get out of there instead of like being scared he seems angry that this happened which is weird to me but yeah so the football gets deflated because the bullet hit it because he threw it off of a horse Mm -hmm. these are all and you're like i don't think you're saying words in the right order rest assured these are all things that happen (laughs) in the right order yes (laughs) so before we get to that scene there was the glorious scene of them sneaking into the coliseum sure and uh this is totally pre 9-11 obviously because when it was but they're just walking in with shotguns and machine guns under their coats Oh, yeah. And it's like no big deal at all. And then he pulls one on on football player who was trying to get a, a, a little bit of a favor in the in the pool. Yes. And, uh, and no one says anything. I like that the football player says, I want this guy ejected, not because they had guns, right. like you said, but because he didn't want him to be there. He didn't want him to be there. But that's not how that goes down. That's Yeah, that's not how it goes down at all. So... Uh, Long story short, we're gonna we're gonna uh, push through some things here because that's what they did in the plot, anyways. They just push right sure. through. Uh, we end up at the stadium, and uh, his daughter has now come into play. She has been captured, and uh, we're in Stan Kroenke's office, and we we're basically gonna extort six million dollars from you. Yep. And if not, we're gonna blow everybody up. 
And that leads to a hilarious mishap hilarious. at the very end, which yes. leads to explosions and money being brought to the other people. But what it really leads to to me is outside of the football, the football being thrown to stop the bullet is the most ridiculous scene. Right. The most amazing scene, and I had totally forgotten about this until all the pieces were in place, and I was like, oh, I know what's going to happen to that guy, <laughs> is one of the primary bad guys eventually gets dropped by Bruce Willis, and they're fighting on, like, what would you say, the catwalk? Up yeah, the, the catwalk the of the top of the, yeah. And there's a helicopter, mm-hmm. and all the elements are in place. Place and I was like, oh, I I remember. And the bad guy bites the dust mm-hmm. when he flies off the catwalk right when the helicopter is flying by and he gets taken yeah. out by all. I mean, he was going to die anyway. But then he right. dies in extra horrible fashion as he gets chopped to little pieces by the rotors and the blades on the helicopter. It was spectacular. It was awesome, and it led to the number one question that I wanted to ask you. Okay. This is the second death by helicopter that we have had sure. in props. The first is also our other loophole movie in Sudden Death. When That's the, right. When the helicopter magically falls perfectly into the ice ice rink for the opening in the, in the arena in the arena so that's number one number two is death by helicopter blade here where he gets top chopped up in a tiny tiny little million pieces which one was the better death by helicopter i think it was this one just because and this will seem weird i had to it was less of a jump in logic. It's still a jump in logic, yeah. but like with the other one, they opened up the closed air right. arena. That's which true. I mean, it's a basketball and hockey arena. Right. Why does that have an open roof? Yeah. When did that ever come into play? <laughs> but this one, at least, it was a football stadium. It was an open air because it was like the old the Coliseum. Sure. Well, it's still there, um, but it was like the Coliseum, and so it would make more sense why a helicopter would be meandering on around near the stadium. And so I could put aside more reason and logic and. You know, I can live with that. Now, I again, it's reason and logic, and that's not what we're shooting for here. But not in this movie. <laughs> so as he as he gets as he gets knocked off or shot off, and he falls into the helicopter blades, is that not going to mess up the rotation of the helicopter, thus causing a, a helicopter crash inside the stadium? Okay, fair enough. But here's what I have to say about that. At this point, does it really matter? Because are they ever ever? ever going to have a football game at this place again because i want to point out this is now not Mm -hmm. one but two shootings at at this stadium in the same season why would they ever open the stadium up the security is clearly terrible Mm -hmm. so i mean they had a shooting at the beginning of the year they've now had a shooting at the end of the season why would you ever allow people to have football games in this place again that's very that's a good point and i will I will submit and say let's move on. <laughs> that's a that's a good uh, that's a good observation there. All right, this is not the final death of the of the movie because no. that comes a little later at the very at, very at the end. Very, well, yeah, at the very end, uh, as we're trying to collect ourselves and we're outside the stadium, and you know, for all intents and purposes, he should be John Joe should be arrested. 
Like, oh sure, like he's still wanted for murder. Yeah, and and he's <laughs> yeah, and isn't he? Uh, yeah, no, for sure. And but everyone's like, well, yeah, you know, exactly. you saved the day. The other the other issue I have with that is he's not a cop; he's At a all. private investigator. Exactly. So why does he just get let off the hook? Exactly. Uh, but so he does. It, it, maybe because maybe it's that's why they set up the whole he saved the president's life thing because that maybe why they're letting him off oh, the hook because they're like, well, he used yeah, to yeah, be exactly. Okay. He's a secret service okay. agent. No, uh, all right. I'll buy that. So they're looking for I'll the, buy that. They're looking for the other briefcase and well they're looking for both the briefcases. One has 6 million dollars in it. Right. The other one is full of C4 plastic explosive. I like the way they pointed that out every time they said it. It's C4 plastic explosives because there was there the biggest player of villains in late 80s early yes. 90s movies was the foreigner yes but if there's a second player it's the c4 explosive exactly. that's how you know it's serious that's when you know it's serious. it worked if anyone told me there's an explosive i'd be like whoa if somebody said there's c4 i'd yeah. be like we need to get the hell we out should of here probably leave yes like, out yes! of the state completely just just in case something Absolutely. happens so uh they're looking for they find the six million dollars the police take that into their uh, evidence. I'm sure that they'll, 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 they'll divide that sure. between the people. And, <laughs> exactly. Um, this is Los Angeles we're talking about. And then uh, the the owner, Stan Crocky, opens. I'm, he's not Stan Crocky, but he opens up the briefcase in his home, presumably miles and miles away. But the explosion is as such that you can see it from miles and miles away. Yeah, you can, because what a massive explosion it is. And this is what I love about movies like this. Everyone's reaction, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Like, not that, oh, hey, that could have killed other people in the exactly. nearby area. <laughs> you know, nobody says anything about that. They're just like, oh, that briefcase has the money. That means the other, bri- oh, that means it's going to blow up. And then he blows yeah. up and everyone's like, Ha, ha, ha. That's very. That's exactly what happened. That that is around the same moment that Last Boy Scout avoided what I was really worried about because I didn't remember how this turned out because the chick from the He Man movie, she's so glad that mm-hmm. her then ex husband or maybe they're still just separated, whatever. Yeah. She that he has made it through and saved their daughter and she runs up and hugs him and they seem to insinuate that they're going to get back together and I would be like. Boo! Exactly. But instead, he hugs her and he goes, I just want to let you know that I still hate your guts. And yeah. the only reason I'm doing this is because there's a lot of people around. I was like, there you go, yeah. Bruce Willis. Don't let her off the hook for being a cheater. His direct his direct line was, uh, if there weren't cops in here, I would spit in your face. Yes. It, Which, that's a shocking line <laughs> right it there. It is. So that happens. And then, then we end the movie uh, as as Jimmy and Joe are coming together, become a, become a detective team. Yep. And... Because you thought this is your 48 hours right here. And that's where we end the movie because, and again, they could have made sequels of this easily. Easily. I, hey. I'd pay to see it. You make one now, I'll watch it. If The Last Boy Scout 2 comes out, I will watch that movie. Uh, But they didn't, they never did. Uh, No, they haven't yet. They haven't yet. How about that? I I guess so. Uh, Then one of the most racist things in the world happens at the end of this movie is when his daughter says, can I take Jimmy to see my friends? And he says, well, he's not a puppy. You know, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. it's just full Ooh. of that kind of stuff. I'm like, why is that necessary? 
Come on, right? were different then. Times People were, didn't seem to care. I guess. Maybe not. I don't really know. Maybe not. Now, uh, if you notice this whole show, I've I've avoided asking you questions like, was the athletic scenes believable? The, the truth is, is that there's not a ton. There's of, not a yeah. ton of it here, but this is most assuredly a football film. Right. Well, of course it's a football 100% movie. 100% a football the movie. The movie starts out at a football venue. Mm-hmm. The entire corruption case that they're investigating circulates around football. And the ending scene not only takes place at a football game, it's all involving the same football people from throughout the movie. Exactly. So thus a football film. All right. And if Sudden Death is a hockey movie, as we said it was, this is totally a football movie. Agreed. All right. Let's talk about collectibles. As I said, this was a pro set thing. Um Love the pro set. We, we touched on that. But what are three things that you would want from this film? So, if you can name three. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. I can. I might <laughs> cheat for one of them. Okay. Uh, I want the gun. All right. From the very opening five or ten yes. minutes that the guy yeah, uses yeah. to drop people and then drop himself. You might think that that's super morbid, but let's not pretend that there wouldn't be a market for that exactly. out there. Exactly. And then before the corrupt owner shoots Damon Wayans in the hand, he shows off the championship trophy mm-hmm. that he helped him win. Right. So I would want that fake NFL championship trophy. <laughs> and I and the reason, if you're curious why I call it the fake NFL, is because they're called like the L.A. Knights or yeah. whatever. I mean, they clearly, they're using some of the same cities, mm-hmm. but it's very any given Sunday-esque where they right. don't use the actual. And then uh, I want the briefcase with the $6 million. You know what? That briefcase with the $6 million is a nice thing to have. What, what, is, what is $6 million in 1991? What would that be today? Well, hold on. We can figure this out. All right. So the budget was $30 million. This seems like a pretty big-time action movie right? where you'd multiply that budget by three, four times. So mm-hmm. I would say, you know, we're looking at 18 to $24 million. Yeah, so let's say $20 million. Yeah. $20 million. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good day, right? I'll take it. That's a really good day. I would All take right. any millions of dollars. <laughs> three things that I want. I want the jacket that the president was wearing when Joe saved his life. Okay. That's a good one. I like that that's, one. That's presidential material. That I know is. that I could get good collectible. Good, right good there. really good collectible. Um geez, who would have was this George Bush? This is George Bush one. Yes. So George H. W. George Bush. H. W. Bush. Um or they could have you know what? They could have been they could have been referencing the attempt on Reagan's life. So I can see that because that just happened in yeah. the last. Mm. Even better with a Reagan. Whoa. See? Who knew subtle political commentary in the last Boy Scout? <laughs> I would not have go. guessed it. And I'm sitting pretty with my collectible there. Okay. Uh, what else? I'm going to need one of those footballs that uh, that Damon Wayans keeps flinging around the flinging yard. Would you want the football that got shot? No, uh, maybe, but I, pretty incredible. But I really want the one with the blood on the end of it that yeah. he, that he th- they rocketed in that guy's face. And then uh, I'm gonna need an LA Knights jersey. Just sure, one, just one of them. Oh, Home yeah. or away? Yeah, Home absolutely. Away. I'll take one. Uh, I think that's the the things that I would want. I, I was telling you off air that this this website yourprops.com has really been a uh, help to this podcast. There's basically if it's it's if it's out there from from the film, it's it's on. It's on here. So we have some things that are available. Last Boy Scout, Boy Scout crew jacket. So they have oh. a, they have a. This looks a very, very uh, Letterman jacket like. Okay. What this else? The nineties. Uh, we have a. Oh, this is nice. We have the Joe Helen Helen Beck Bruce Willis chair back. Oh, so from that, the movie. Wow. From the movie. Okay. Uh, we have Last Boy Boy Scout set parking passes. And we have production made photos from from film cells from the from the movie. Okay. So those are all out there. Those are pretty cool things to be grabbing. I 
I'm really curious about the market for that because I'm, I'm we're sitting here and I, I'm I mean hopefully you can tell by now I love this movie yeah I think it's ridiculous but I think it's so much fun and I know I know people who love this movie but I don't know how much this movie is beloved you know yeah. like I don't feel like I get in very many conversations with people that revolve around like we've talked about it before and we even reference the dude that's in Angels in the Outfield I've heard people reference that all the time Mighty sure. Ducks all the time. Necessary Roughness, Slapshot, so many of the other movies we've done. I don't feel like I hear this movie referenced at a lot, all, and yeah, that's yeah. a shame. It really is. It's 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 better than what it than what it seems. Yes, and I I will I will tell you that it was better than what it seems by the Metacritic score when we get to it in a minute. But this is uh this is a lot better than what it what it seems. Before we get to the awards, or before we get to the uh, the reviews. This was nominated for two. No- this was two nominations, and I think it probably should have won both of them: MTV Movie Awards and TV Awards. Okay. Uh, nominee MTV Movie Award Best On Screen Duo: Damian Wayans and Bruce Willis. They're fantastic. They have chemistry absolutely, in this. Absolutely movie. killed it in this. And then Best Action, Se- action Sequence for the Helicopter Blade Sequence should have won both of them. I love that scene. Should've they got won robbed. Both of them. All right. That, and that seems like the type of award show that's made for this type of movie. Exactly. Let's get to the uh, let's get to the reviews here. Uh, the ratings, rather. We'll start with IMDb as we always do. You know what? This I'm, is your area. This is where you shine, Kevin. I'm up in my game. I'm standing up I, for this. I told you IMDb's got soft on this. Yeah. Yeah. Normally I would say hovering in the 5. I'm going to say they gave it a, you know what? They got soft. I'm going to say 6.3. Nope. It's a seven on the nose. Shut it up. Is a seven on the nose. I have to stand up because this is exciting for me. I Even am that is higher than I would have guessed. <laughs> Look, I love this movie, but this movie is like objectively not yeah. a good movie. It's not good. Wow. A seven? A seven Man, on the nose. I want to find out how many. Wait like, till you see Metacritic. <laughs> this is going to be great. All right. Uh, Maybe I've misjudged this entire thing. <laughs> Last Boy Scout, Boy Scout on Rotten Tomatoes. The tomato meter is a... 50%. 46. There, okay, okay, there you go. Audience score of 68. Medic- as, as it should. Like yeah. This is much more made for the people than it is for the critics. <sighs> Metacritic. This is the greatest thing ever. Okay. Last if, week we had like a thirty. If right? Rotten Tomatoes is a forty-six, this thing has to be in the twenties. Oh boy, you are so wrong. You are way off and wrong. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> There's no way this is a positive Metacritic. It is a positive Metacritic. You gotta be kidding me. How does this pass Metacritic but not Rotten Tomatoes? Can I tell you? Can I just give it to yeah, you? Yeah, let's hear it. Fifty-two. Shut up. The fact that this is a 52 on Metacritic is the best thing that has happened to me today. Okay. And so for people who don't, if you're, we've talked about Metacritic, if you're not familiar with Metacritic. So like Rotten Tomatoes is, it's an amalgamation of like all these critics, but Rotten Tomatoes will take in anybody, Sure, you know, like they'll take in different bloggers and stuff like that. And that's not to say that the bloggers don't have like legitimate movie opinions, but maybe they're more lenient than like the more stuffy critics. Metacritic is made up like primarily of the old school like newspaper reviewers and they're sure. much stuffier people. And so that's why I always think that they're the harshest. And the fact that this is more thumbs up than thumbs down yeah. boggles the mind. This is the most shocking thing that I have experienced on this podcast. This is a 52 and I'm happy. All right. I can't believe it. We got to wrap this up because I got to go pick up my kids from school today. Right. So, uh, 
Next week, we're going to go with, uh, it's the 30 for 30 film. The Carter one. The Carter one. Carter Carter High. So uh, we're going to check that out. But last question, is this a classic? No, but. No, but it should be. It's so awesome. It should be. Like I said, people don't talk about this. I think they should. I think this should be a classic. It has so many elements that make it a classic. I don't know why it's not. All right, guys. That's a wrap. No. Cut. That's a wrap. There you go. We'll catch you. We'll see you next week.